Welcome back to the Better Men, Better Ball Player Podcast. I'm your host, Trey Cobb. I want to thank you for joining us here on our newest episode of the podcast where we dive into player development and how baseball can take us into all directions beyond the game, how it teaches us valuable lessons in and out of the game, and to hear from other coaches who grow the game with the right reasons, are in it for the right reasons. And another great example of that is the coach we have on today, R.J. Farrell. R.J. is the assistant coach at Orange Lutheran High School in California. He's also the 12U USA Baseball head coach. He's the co-founder of the Coastal Empire Baseball Academy, where they specialize in lessons, uh, camps, and do those all over the country. Um, infield defense, defensive coordinator. Um, you'll hear throughout the episode how much passion he has for the defense and then how creative he has gotten within his defensive skill work. Um, just an incredible person. Had a really great privilege of getting to meet him and spend some time with him uh, this year. And the conversation we had was just phenomenal. So he is a true grower of the game. Um, incredible man. Uh, really fortunate to be able to meet him. And um, just cannot wait for people to listen to all the great things he has to say. So, um, again, RJ, brother, can't thank you enough. Uh, for those people who want to dive in, learn more about infield, and I think there's I think there's things in this podcast for the youth level coach as well as for the college coach, um, professional coach who's looking to get dive into maybe some more details of things. I think there's definitely something, even just to unlock your creativity and you start thinking about how well you can do things a little bit better. Um, and RJ kind of gets into those. And, uh, you know, just, just really fun conversation and uh, really enjoyed it. And again, reach out, uh, you know, follow him and, and all the great things that he's doing. And be sure you check out the Coastal Empire Baseball Academy. And, of course, Orange Lutheran just speaks for themselves, always one of the top programs in the country. And him being involved with USA Baseball just speaks volumes for a guy. So, without further ado, uh, cannot wait to get in this conversation. Enjoy it. Have your notes ready. Here he is, Coach R.J. Farrell. The the Coastal Empire stuff's been going good, man. Um, you know, taking – it's we've been taking like a new way of kind of looking at the training environment, you know, and I think that's, that's, what's awesome about working with, with, uh, you know, Brian Madsen is like, we both have the same vision of how can we offer so much to, how can we offer, you know, a high training environment that doesn't just totally, you know, cost just the cost, the cost of baseball is so extravagant right now. Like we're trying to find a way to give, give back to the kids while, yeah, obviously we have to make a few bucks, but like, you know, we're pricing kids out of this game. So uh, it's been good, man. We just ran one. We just ran one uh, a couple of weeks ago, a dual one um, together. So that's always good. And him and I get to coach together because we don't do that all the time. Um, he kind of runs his thing up there. I run mine down here, um, but we try, try and get together as much as we can and, and, you know, put on a, a dual, dual coaching environment because we, we feed off each other you know what i mean like or he yes. sees something and i see something so we kind of just bounce things off each other and next thing you know kids are kids are getting better now yeah that's super cool i mean like so especially how uh like baseball is now and just like the time i'm, I'm when i'm thinking like the timeline of like a player especially of all like let's say a guy like olu you know like you guys have like a yearly, basically almost year round kind of training program for set up for the kids. So how are you able to like, all right, here's where we can kind of throw in a camp. Well, like, let's say the Olu guy just wants a little bit extra. Like, how do you guys balance that to like know when to kind of throw in a camp? Yeah, dude, uh, that's, that's, a, that's the tough one. So like, I really won't run many, if any camps once the actual high school season starts, just because okay. I need, I need my Sundays off. Like I gotta, I gotta have some time with the family. Um, Leading through like the summer, um, you know, the way we do it at Olu is like, we kind of let our guys go do whatever anyways, like get away from us and yeah. go, go learn from other baseball minds and go play with other guys. Like we don't want to, we don't want to just keep them in house the whole summer. So we let them go play. So my summer frees up, you know, um, 
And I try to just run, I try to run a, an actual camp once a month, right? Pick a Saturday or a Sunday, or if I can get a couple, <laughs> couple days on the field, um, do a multi-day thing. Um, but really the basis of it is, is the individual training. The guys that kind of just come see me, you know, or for like the small group work, like that's where like the majority of my time is spent. Um, Cause those are, I guess, more like the regulars, you know, the guys like yeah. say if we're, it's hard for me to break down a swing at a camp, right? Like I can't make a full swing change because I might not ever see the kid. And that's not really fair. I see a kid, hey, why don't you change this, this, and this? And then, all right, good luck. Mm-hmm. Um, so I try not to do um, a lot of the hitting stuff. If I don't know, I'm like, I'm I have to make sure I'm going to see the kid again, like, mm-hmm. or a couple of times so we can really work through things. The infield stuff's a little different. Um, cause we can just throw some drills out and some mechanic stuff. But you know, when you're breaking down a swing and you start making changes, that's a whole, that's a whole different deal. So, um, yeah, try to just schedule those things through. Um, and then, you know, around the high school season, around the USA schedule, um, see how many kids we can get together and, and just go to work, man. That's, the, that's the beauty of it. It's just, it's just going to work and mm-hmm. it's the, I love it. So your weekly stuff and your small group, like you'll get those like weekly guys to do small group stuff. Is that strict? Yeah. Is that strictly or just around infield or are you talking about like all, all aspects? Um, for the small group stuff is pretty much all infield. I'll try and get like four to six kids together. Um, Hey, we can, we can get on this field at this time on this day. Like, and I'll send it out. I kind of have, you know, a couple different groups. I use I have like a more, got a little more advanced group and I got a little, you know, um, mm-hmm. some guys that aren't quite as advanced. Um, and I just try and pair them up, whoever can make it, you know, and let's, let's go, let's go get what we can. Um, so yeah, I try and do that at least once, twice, once, twice a month, maybe a little bit more. Um, as for the hitting stuff though, there's a facility, there's a facility over here, um, K-Zone batting cages that they're, they're amazing to me. They let me go in there. And work. I do hitting stuff around our practices all week like if we're if we're practicing late i'm probably going to be over there a little bit early working with a couple kids um we practice early i probably got a couple guys late um so yeah man just always seem to be finding a way to train kids it's fun hustling yeah man yeah, hustling, right? buddy. exactly hustling. so like let's think about let's think about let's talk about the training environments too man like like um because you went over a little bit in alabama like when we were there but um how has the environment changed? So like, let's say you're taking on the side session, you know, your small group of infielders. Let's think about what you're doing now compared to maybe what you did about five years ago, you know, 10 right. years ago, what's, what's changed, what stayed the same. Everything's changed. I think, man, um, you know, especially when I get to like the small group stuff, because again, like those are some kids that have been with me more often. Right. So we are getting, we might have a chance to get a little bit more in depth. Um, <coughs> excuse me. But I think, I think the main thing that's changed really is just my, my own, my own self being comfortable with, with trying new things and, and trying to adapt, um, different teaching strategies to kids. I think, I think when I was a young coach, um, kind of just had one way, you know, really, I didn't, when I first started, I had no clue what I was doing and I'll be totally honest with that. And then you kind of start getting into it and coaching and coaching, kind of find your way. Um, and once I kind of got comfortable with that, and then I started kind of, you know, coaching at the high school level and, and kind of learning what it takes for, for guys to get to the next level. Um, you know, that kind of, that's kind of one style of coaching when it comes to the camp side of it though, like, and what we do there, it's, it, it does change a little bit. Um, you know, where I'm not so much, trying to train guys, you know, how to complete your butt D's and your first and thirds, if you will, you know, mm-hmm. like the, the system side of it isn't really something that we get too big into when I'm doing like my individual training. Um, I'm just trying to create the most high tempo pace I can and get kids to work at a, at a speed that they're not used to. Um, you know, at the high school, we do that as well. Don't get me wrong. Um, we want to train as fast as, as fast as possible while being under control. That's kind of like our motto. Um, I tell guys all the time, if you fall down, you, you, we're finally going fast enough. Like if you fall down, you, we're finally going fast enough. Um, 
but it's funny, like when you, when you look at the camp side of it or the individual training side of it and the team side of it, you know, those are really three different avenues, I think. And I don't think, I don't think you've coached the same in, in, in those three environments, to be honest, there's, there's a team aspect of things that you do with the high school stuff and training. And yeah, a lot of the drills we might do like our early work drills or stuff you'll see at a camp. Mm-hmm. Um, but the camp based stuff, it's just so fast and so in depth on like the true, true specifics. Um, because I don't have to worry about getting to bunt these or batting practice or anything else. Like I can truly just focus in and hone in on, on a group of kids. And um, it's cool, man. The, the other side, I think that makes it, you know, how it's changed, I guess, is just the ability to access so much more stuff. Right. Um, the, the social media sharing this, the, the relationships that I've made as a, you know, continue to coach and the ability to exchange info and drills and whatnot. I think that is, that's huge too. Cause five, 10 years ago, right. The database online wasn't nearly what it is now. Like if you want to go find a, a footwork drill and you got an idea of what you're trying to get done, you can probably find something similar sure. and then, you know, adjust it to how you want to do it to make it work. Um, so that's it, man. I'm, I'm always online looking at stuff. How are guys doing things? How are you, you know, how are you doing stuff on the East coast compared to what are we doing over here? And what's a, what's a training guy in the South doing? And like, do, do I think that'll work for, you know, one or a group of my guys? Um, and I think that's okay to say, like, we're sharing everything, man. Like I'm not coming up with, with anything that's, you know, brand new and not invented before, you know, I might be trying to adjust some things a little bit and make them player specific, but um, man, I'm going to jump on, I'm going to jump on and steal whatever I can if I think it's going to work for guys. And, and I hope guys steal stuff we're doing too, you know? Yeah. Not for sure. Like, do you feel like now infield work, when you're speaking infield wise, that's more like a holistic approach rather than like segmenting so many specific things? Yeah, man, I think, um, it's, that's interesting, right? Because we've all we've all gone through the drills where you're like super, just like break down a hand pattern or break down like yeah. one foot's working. Or, but I agree. I think I think we got to train train the whole as much as possible, right? Because um, I know, like when you're talking about like moving really fast, like you're basically talking like as a whole part, like being athletic and make really the training the whole 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 person. I guess you could say. Yeah, for sure. When. Um, too many times, and you you might have heard me say this before, Trey. Too, too many times, like kids leave facilities and they're kind of like a facility clone, right? Like they just do those same drills over and over and over. And while the drills might be great and like they have a huge purpose, the reality is we need to make sure what we're doing translates in game. Mm-hmm. And I think that is that's where you know trying to be as fast as possible and putting putting them in positions that um, like I'm really big on having guys start in starting positions and different patterns of movement that they might get to in a game, but not traditionally start at say in their pre-pitch position. So like if they pre-pitch, I might have them offset a step on purpose before they go and go and attack an angle just to make them move in ways that they're not traditionally comfortable moving. I want to train the whole athlete and, and the brain as well to be able to align itself properly. Right. Um, and you can, you can do that really easily by, by just changing, changing the first step, you know, making them use a cone in a different way, speeding up and slowing down the angle of the ball and the speed of the ball. Like you're just doing that. You're naturally going to start changing the way that they drill because you know, dude, every kid just wants to get the fungo, right? They want the two hop fungo and go across the diamond. Yeah. There's not many two hop, two hop balls in a game. Like we just don't see them. So, um, yeah, constantly trying to train the whole athlete and and put them in a position where, you know, they're going to succeed, succeed in, in the real environment, you know, because the game's fast, the game's quick, there's, there's adrenaline, there's energy, you know, like all that, all that stuff you have to take into account for you. Like, and if we just train in a really slow pace, methodical, controlled environment all the time, like, it's not going to translate, man. And we're, we're going to, you know, my bosses are going to be looking at me like, what are we doing? You know? Yeah. Seems like you take a page out of Sherm's book there with, you know, Jungle in the Zoo, you know what I mean? It's basically Jungle in the Zoo, man. Sherm's got that thing. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt to that, right? Like, yeah, it's got it patented, man. 
Yeah. And it makes so much sense. It's a great analogy, you know, but I, I like what you're saying. You're basically challenged. So how are you challenging your infielders? I know you said, talk about like putting them in uncomfortable situations, but how else would you challenge and your infielders? Um, so the challenge, I'll be honest, man, the challenge starts day one. And, um, in terms of the high school stuff, like I tell our guys, we want to be the best infield in the country. So what, what do we have to do to become the best infield in the country? Um, and there's kind of a plan that, you know, we lay out, it's not written down, but it's a verbal kind of agreement. Like, look, this is what we're going to do. But I think, so that's a mental side of the challenge. When I go to my camp side of it, right. We have a, I call it the, I call it the credo. Every ball on the ground is an out. Like if it's on the ground, it's an out. So, right. So that's kind of the same thing, if you will. Like I'm, I'm asking the high school team to be the best in field country. I'm asking guys who train with me separately. Hey, we got to go make every play of the week that we possibly can. So that's the mental side of it. But the challenge, the challenge when it comes to the physical aspect is, is really getting, finding ways to get different infielders to play faster than they want to, right? They all want to sit, they all want to be comfortable. Um, but I want them to play at a pace that is faster than they want to play at. So that might mean ramping up hack attacks. That might mean, you know, offsetting or putting different goggles on them. So we're changing some vision patterns a little bit, um, changing the gloves that they get to use, right. Going to the Valley gloves or going to, uh, we call them the goofy gloves. We just cut out, we'll just cut out the, um, the webbing to make them just play with the fingers, um, paddle drills, tennis balls, racquetballs, right. Anything we can do to change the training environment to make them have to adapt is what we're trying to do. Um, because I believe, like, I mean, let's be honest, we should be able to field a two a two hop ground ball. Like, mm-hmm. we'll train that. Don't get me wrong, but that's not really what we're training for. Like, we're training for the double play aspect of things. We're training for our being able to redirect on a on a relay, right? Like, everyone thinks we're talking infield play. We're just talking about ground balls, and that's that's I think where we get lost sometimes is the how can we how can we train our athletes to use their hips all over the field in the different ways that we're actually going to have to use them, right? Um, the double play mechanics of a shortstop and the second baseman, those are different. The way a first baseman comes off the bag to throw a ball to second compared to, compared to home, compared to how they're going to relay from an outfielder, like those are all separate movement patterns that we have to be able to train. But let's be honest, I only have, what, an hour, 45 minutes a day to work with infield. Right. So I have to find ways in our training pattern where they're getting to work on all this stuff um, kind of simultaneously. Right. Mm-hmm. So we do a lot of combo drills where they're, where they're going to have maybe a ground ball pattern to second, come back with a relay from the outfield. Right. And that's, that's, a, that's one rep um, just so we're getting to kind of utilize our time better it goes to our throwing program. I mean, our throwing program is, is I think it's really extensive. Um, and we get just about every every footwork pattern, every throwing angle done in our in our in our throwing progression. So by the time then we get to the field, we're ready to go for whatever we're going to set up that day and train off our train off our lanes or train off our bags, whatever we're doing that day, um, to allow us to allow us to get as much out of the athlete as possible in smallest amount of time. Because let's be honest, at a high school practice batting practice is coming. Um, there's no chance I'm getting, <laughs> I'm not getting infielders for two hours, three hours at a, at, a, at a high school practice. It's not happening. So I have to come up with really creative ways to get as much done as possible. And I'm, I'm fortunate Borba, uh, Eric Borba, our head coach, like he lets me run with it, man. Like mm-hmm. he'd say, Hey, you got 45 minutes today. Okay. Here you go. And so I'll just start putting plans together and show it to him. And then, and then it's off. So uh, nice. Yeah. So let me, let me walk you through that because I'm having a hard time visualizing the just the combo play. Um, you know, you're so let's say you guys are rolling a double play, second baseman's rolling a double play, and then you're going to throw him. So would you have another coach maybe behind from the outfield or another? I guess other infielders just throwing him a ball to then work on his relay to third. Yeah, it could be it could be a multitude of ways, man. We'll do a lot of stuff uh, with three fungos at a time, so we can fungo. Say just because I mentioned I started with the first baseman, we'll start on that side. So we could have a uh, a ball get hit down the right field line, right? So now a right fielder is going pattern there, and maybe 
and then our second baseman's moving moving through like we're gonna go cut four right we're gonna set up our the way we do our tandem and then as that ball's hitting goes over we can hit another fungo on the inside first base throws a shortstop shortstop maybe goes pump fake to third or maybe we're returning that to a pitcher or whatever because we have enough time there for, for that ball to get in the gap for us to get that little inside play done boom he's done and now first baseman finishes that play redirects himself in the line gets a gets his relay four um you know that's the way we can do that we'll do a lot of multi-fungo stuff in the infield where say i'll go um we'll have a pitcher a pitcher go to the plate catcher might back pick the first on that back pick we'll have a fungo go to short Short will go across the diamond. So the same first baseman who received the back pick at first now has to exchange his feet and get the throw from short. So he's got two different sort of receiving patterns, one adding the tag aspect, one getting a receive, uh, receive from short. So I try and just get really creative and how many baseballs can I have going at once, right? Without hurting anybody, obviously. Right, right. Um, but yeah, I just want to set up stuff to where they're having to adjust themselves and think about it. Right. Like, cause probably sounds really confusing when I'm doing this over, over the air right now, but once they see the patterns and they get used to them, then they can start, they can start thinking it through. Like they know, okay, we're doing this progression right now. So I have to go, this is my a movement. This is my B movement. I'm finishing here. So they can start to process that in their own mind and start sequencing them, their bodies appropriately aligning themselves appropriately so now all of a sudden it starts looking really free flow like wow how'd the kid just pull that off well, mm-hmm. we've done it a lot right sure. we've done it a lot and it's a sequence that he knows um and i don't know man it's fun like i get i get to get super creative and and find ways to yeah you know, you know you know the wild is what comes to my mind is thinking about pregame infield you know, thinking about infield outfield like Mm-hmm. that would like take infant alpha to like a whole nother level. So do you ever do run those combo stuff like that during in and out during pregame? Not, not during in and out. No. And our in and out is our in and out is going to be done in about 10 minutes and yeah. it's going to be, it's going to be super fast and we're in, we're, we're on that field and we're off that field. We're going, we're going as fast as possible. Um, as clean as possible, to be honest, we don't want to add our, our infield outfield. We don't want to add anything that, um, I don't know how you say this. Like it, we want it to look super clean. Like we want you and the other dugout to be like, Oh dang, like mm-hmm. we got this. So we're not going to add anything that's going to, you know, be, um, be difficult to perform. Sure. Um, you know, especially leading into the game. Like we, we, we did our difficult to perform at practice. Now it's, now it's time to, it's go to fun. Uh, here's your, here's your two hopper. Here's your cookie. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> here's your cookie. Yeah. I was just wondering, man, cause like that would be uh serious, serious stuff. That'd be very, you know, you talk about it, it. I think it still would be very um, impressive too. I think some, oh, yeah. I think people would still say like, Holy crap, this guy's going to just took three ground balls and only one ball, you know, like it was just, yep. that was pretty wild. So yeah, that's pretty. So do you have like a whole, I guess a whole, like probably, progression of different like kind of like arounds i guess you would say right yeah for sure we got um depending on depending on what we're trying to get done um yeah we have we have basically three different systems and each one has five or six rounds in it so the combination right like i guess there'd be like 18 different rounds i guess that we could pull off um think it might be more like 15 to be honest um and then it just depends like are we working are we working guys moving forward right now so is it going to be like a big time butt play day right maybe maybe we're going butt. so i'm going to then align my training of that day right so make sure all my corner guys are moving forward and my middle guys have a lot of lateral movement right because that's going to be what we're getting into if we're working um if we're working more relay type stuff and our tandems, uh, the footwork patterns and the progressions of the infielders that day are going to be a little bit more, um, I don't know, lack of a better, better term. We're going to do a lot more of the DB type stuff, right? We're going to be moving our churning our backs, adjusting our hips and our, and our, uh, our toe angles to make sure we're getting to gaps. So we're going to get some range stuff. If we're doing double play stuff, it could be a different thing. So I try to align whatever we're, whatever we're getting into for like the team defense, aspect like our our dailies our indies i try and align those together so like all right 
we're making a focus on whatever aspect today. So our Indies are going to mimic and, and prep us for our, our team focus today. Um, yeah. Because I'm fortunate too. Like I get, we lift every other, we're on a block schedule. So we lift either two or three times a week. Well, the non lift days, um, I can usually get out a little early um, and get my infielders through a full fungo routine too. So I have the mm. ability to get out, fuck, give them their fungo work, whoever yeah. might need whatever. And then, okay, now go into our indie stuff as practice starts and then get into our team defense stuff. So I'm, right. you know, it, it is a little bit of an advantage there. So I don't have to, I don't have to worry about all these folks and, Oh man, I need, I need to get my guys their GB reps in practice. Like they need to have them, need to have them. I, I can, uh, I can find ways to, you know, do that, that in. Yeah. Yeah. I was just thinking like, uh, cause I know you said, mentioned it before. It's just a different hat you wear when it goes to team setting and then goes to camp setting. Um, so in camp, cause I know the team setting, you're kind of doing the progressions to really kind of involve everybody kind of that defensive right. coordinator that you are, you're involving everyone from outfielders, infielders, pitchers, catchers. 100%. So when you get it, when you get into camp and you're strictly focused on infield, what kind of combos can you kind of arrange there? Cause I'm just kind of thinking like, okay, after I turn this double play, then would you t- have another fungo going to where then maybe the short, uh, would he catch like a push bunt, you know, or something like that? Right. You know, uh, and I kind of have more of a, a relationship and I kind of know what your playing background is. Yes. hundred percent. We'll get into that. So we can go, um, we can go, uh, you know, fungo, a fungo to short, short and go across the first first can then get that receive it go to a go to a bunt play that to third i i, I can get that done with with three guys the difference between first base and shortstop in terms of off the bat right that's a real different angle so even if a kid's never going to play first it doesn't hurt him to get over there and see what it's like right yeah you know, i've seen myself do that i think when i think in terms of things as i've changed it when i talk of like the more holistic too is like go play other positions during during our training, during our practice time, it's just that you'd be able to throw a guy over here, make you more athletic at first base. Well, go play third for a bit, or go play do this, yeah. get in yeah. the outfield before you go out and do some do some footwork out there, you know, to create more athleticism. You know, I mean, I was such a, I'm not sure. Like, how were you like on progressions? So I, um, I used to be all about like progressions. So I used to be all right. We're gonna start on our knees. And we're going to go 10, you know, 10 short hops, forehand or middle, 10 forehand, 10 backhand. Then I'm going to work up to standing and I'm going to do it again. And then I'm going to, I used to do that. And there's, I do a lot of that for um, like, that's in our plans for like our freshman infielders, like just to make sure that we are honing in on like the concepts that I have a really good, our, our head JV coach who, our freshman JV practice a lot together. Um, Zach Verland, our head JV coach, he's an infield guy as well. So he's really good at like, Hey, what are these, how are you guys terminating up here? What are you guys doing up at the varsity level to make sure these guys are ready? He does a really, really good job of um, communicating with me to get down there. Um, So he kind of runs guys through a little bit more of the progression stuff, like to make sure they are, you know, their heel toe progressions are good. They're, their two-step, fourth-step patterns progressions are good. Um, so we do we do a lot of that with our younger guys, um, our older guys. <clears throat> um, our progressions are there, but they're different in terms of I don't. You won't see my my varsity shortstop on his knees taking many ground balls like off of a off of his um, you know his short hop picks or whatever. All their stuff is going to be started in a preset hip, hip hinge in our fielding position so we can work footwork and transfer on everything. So um, that's, is, that's kind of my biggest thing is transfers are so important. And I feel like when we get on our knees, we don't really work them right. We get a little lazy with them. So you get to our varsity practice compared to our, our JV or our freshman practice. That's probably the first difference you'll see is where they start in their daily drills. The freshman JV are starting a little bit more simpler than where our other guys are. Um, and they're going to work, our older guys are going to work <clears throat> everything with a foot, a footwork and a transfer aspect to it. And we're going to change it from two, uh, two step to four step patterns. And we're going to have forehand backhand patterns. And it's just going to be, it's going to be 
out of control, really, to be honest. Um, and we let we let them we let them do it. Um, a lot of freedom is given to these guys because I know the work that they've already done. And if we need to tone it back, we can. But like you see our throwing progression, I referenced a little bit earlier. Like when they're going through their stuff, you're going to be looking like are these guys are those guys out there just messing around. But the reality is, no, they're working on, you know, a backhand drop step and getting on top and working a, a long hop to a guy. Like, yeah, I'm letting them have some fun with it because baseball's fun, right. but they're, they're getting a lot out of it. So, um, yeah, progressions, progressions are tough. Like if we're going to be working our double plays, like first day, first day of double plays. Yeah. Full progression of, of where we're starting our movements to the bags, you know, hand positioning, all that stuff. Um, you know, where we're getting at to how, how far off the bag we can come, you know, the difference between moving the chest to the glove and the glove to the chest, um, all that stuff. But I let, I just let our guys roll, man. We're going to put them in and we're going to let them, we're going to put them in the fire and we're going to see what happens. See what kind of competitor you got. Mm-hmm. Well, I think also what it does is, is that it also shows you what you need to work with them on. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, everybody's going to look good if I'm just flipping them short hops all day. Right. So if we can put them in positions where they're having to, to play faster and they're going to have to adjust their body and make multiple plays, right. We're getting, you know, the instant feedback is there, right. They're seeing it one, but two, we're seeing it. So we can go through, I can be like, man, Farrell, Farrell's struggling with the forehands right now. Right. Okay. We can side session him now forehand work or, you know, Farrell, Farrell's a, you know, movements, movements on his cuts are really bad right now. He's not getting himself in position. So now we can, we can find a way to get him some extra study time in the classroom and, and show him where the position he's supposed to be based off of speed and angle, you know? And I think, I think that's really what it is too, Trey. Like the, the, the rhythm and the speed of the game, right. Is, is so important to understand. And a lot of times our young athletes, especially like they have no clue, like how fast this thing's really going to get. Like when, when you start getting to a place where arms are consistently throwing 87, 88, 90, 91, like the game and the, the speed picks up so much. It's not just, Oh, they're throwing harder, but the angles and the spins and, you know, like everything changes. And I think that's a big separator in, in how you, how you're training your infielders is are you prepping them for, for the 94 mile an hour ball? That's, that's getting scudded at you? Or are you prepping mm-hmm. them for the one that's hit at about 65 and they're going to have time to have perfect footwork and get their hands out in front and funnel and go like, there's a difference to this, to what actually takes place in game. Um, you know, being able to go at that speed and have that trust and, you know, that's why I love the hack attack so much. And, you know, like we'll use them at least once a week where, cause I can get those things humming. Yeah. Right? Like I can get those things Hummy, where I don't have to throw my back out trying to hit a fungo 100 miles an hour time. I can get those things set up 80, 90 miles an hour, and I can put a little spin on them, and I can see which guys have the the you know what's to keep their chin and their eyes down in their glove. You know, mm-hmm. so just trying to train them like, like everyone, right? We want the we want practice to be tougher than the game. We want to we want the game to seem like the easy part, the fun part. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, that's just that's just how we kind of roll through it. Yeah, I was just thinking like about um, even in terms of that when you get the hack attack, and what uh, what I try to be like I uh, love about the sheen is like it'll hit that top spin ground ball every time if when we need it to, mm-hmm. you know, like that they're mostly getting they're mostly getting top spin ground balls. And that's like when I'm in the cage work with somebody like you're top spinning their top spin ground ball shortstop all day long, and no mm-hmm. one is they're just out in front of something, and then they got a top spin it like their only way they're doing is top spinning ground balls, and so I just I, I how much of that like. Mm-hmm purposeful has has been in your is in your brain now like the, the type of ground yeah ball. yeah so that that's a huge thing that's a change right like 10 years ago we didn't have the i didn't at least i didn't have the data on that stuff right um then you start seeing guys showing the data at the you know types of ground balls getting hit and then i started looking into it so we chart we chart that now at our school um so when yeah, you chart we, the type of ground ball or you type are you charting the lane is uh both so i'll chart i'll chart type of ground ball and then kind of direction it was hit so 
Um, a, How do you classify with, the types of ground ball? Because everybody kind of has their own language. So what's your language on the types of ground yeah, balls? Yes, so we go, uh, we have like a one through five um, okay. from worm burner to, yep. to big hop um, and then everything in between. Um, and then we use lanes. So I use, I use a four lane system. Um, I think you've, you've heard me talk about that before, Trey. So I go, I go, a, I go a four lane system with one being backhand automatic two being kind of a decision lane, whether it's going to be a backhand or a forehand push through mm -hmm. three is my routine, if you will. And then four is, um, four is our, uh, our forehand. It's going to be a reverse pivot or inside step forehand. So, so like we could have a, we could have like a one, one on my chart and that'd be a worm burner. That was a backhand. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so we, it's all number based on ours when we're doing it. Um, but yeah, dude, so you, when you know that and you start seeing, types of hitters and you know even this like you have some pitchers that cause certain types of contact right like you have some guys that are fly ball guys you know another guy might be a changeup guy who gets a lot of a lot of top spins pull side right so when you're setting up your defense you can set that up off your pitcher um too so we we do a lot of that so i want to i want to be able to hit bad fungos right i want to be able to hit bad fungos to try and mimic a lot. That's why we'll bring pitchers in. Usually, usually if we have fungos going, our pitchers are hitting them because they don't know how to hit a fungo yet. And there's, a, there's a little bit more of um, natural realistic gameplay to it. Uh, because yeah, the difference between a top spun ground ball and the little inside out two hopper I can hit are night and day. Oh yeah. You know, so. How, what, what, what has, so since you've been tracking like your lanes and your type of ground ball, like what has been the most thing that stuck out to you the most? Um, that, that, that's kind of, that's kind of a tough question. Um, I think the one thing that stuck out the most is even, even with the swing changes that are happening right now. And obviously, you know, everyone can talk about, launch angle and the barrel pass into the zones um i still see that for the our middle guys they seem to work to the hole more than they do middle um and i think that's a result of pull side guys still stay pull side um on the ground so i think that's i think that's still there um second, even, thing, even for a second baseman what's that even for a second baseman so like the lefty yeah yeah the le the lefty would take it more three four hole. Um, I don't, and this could just be a product of kind of when I started and some of the pitches we have. I don't really usually, if my shortstop goes through the hole, my second baseman usually isn't going too much further middle. Um, I have a I have a big belief that most high school hitters are what I call pull flare. They're either going to pull it mm -hmm. or flare it. They're not good enough. They're not good enough to keep it to the, to the oppo gap yet. Not that they won't be right. They're just not there in their development yet. So really an oppo gap shot is kind of a mistake. Um, unless they're really good. Right. I mean, some yeah. them, but yeah. the vast majority, they're either going to pull it or they're going to flare it. Um, our league, we, we see a lot of bunts too. So um i'm always really really cautious of taking my second baseman to pull just because as much as maybe a third bat third baseman playing back is a sign that we can bunt a second baseman way over the bag it's also a sign that we can bunt um so yeah but those are those are things like the pull side ground ball is a real deal like it's there like yeah. there's no there's no debating where ground balls go they go pull side um even if even if you're 80 percent outer half with your pitches, right? The ground balls are going pull side. So, and I think that's what's shocking. Like we're locating outer half, outer half, outer half, and the ground balls are still going pull side. Oh yeah. You know? So and I, I think that's also uh, for me, like it is a telltale sign of like a good in middle infield. You have to play the backhand. Like you yeah. can just tell like the backhand, like you have to have a really good backhand. Um, and so like, if you're not training it, like you're in trouble because you're just behind his, you know, like they just get so many, you know? And like you said, I love, the decision ball. I like that. I like that term instead of, cause typically mine's either like, I'll have two different types of backhands and then like a V cut ball instead right. of like, no, like this is basically what it is. So like, cause you know, you might play just the backhand because it's, you might get caught, you know, you might get stuck or you, 
had a great jump and you can actually push through, like you said, get around it, get through it. Um, yeah, no, I, I love, I love getting into the backhand tray because like, um, <clears throat> a, it's a difference maker, but I, I try and tell our guys that you should trust your backhand more than your forehand. And they, they, nobody does. But the reason I believe you should is when you move to your right side. So I'm a, as a, as a right-handed infielder, <clears throat> if I move to my right side, my glove naturally is going to stay in front of my eyes. Like yes. it wants to stay where I can see something. If I go glove side, there's a, a higher chance that my glove wants to stay with my left hip. Yes. So now I'm losing my visual aspect of where I'm actually catching. Right. So while I don't know if it's hundred percent truth that the backhand and the forehand, right. One should be easier or tougher than the other. I try and tell our guys at least to change the mental scope of it, that, trust your backhand more because you're actually seeing it into your glove better. So um, I think that's, that's worked really, really well for me and guys that struggle with the backhand is just, you know, showing them the different points of catch within your backhand and where your eyes can be and how you can actually see balls in um, so much easier on the forehand side. Um, that's been a, that's been a huge, huge thing for us just because the brain takes over, right? I mean, think about it. We're, we're asking kids in this, in this game, we're asking kids to let somebody throw this white pebble at them and not get out of the way when they're in the box, right? We're going to swing and try and hit this white pebble going however no miles per hour at us, but we can't get out of the way. And then a guy, someone's going to hit this thing at you. And instead of letting it go by you, we're going we're gonna to take the fight or flight aspect and go get that ball, right? Mm-hmm. Like, why are we playing this game, right? Yeah. Kind of, when you think about it, it's kind of right. like, what, what were we thinking? But you know, like our ability to, you know, that's why baseball, that's why baseball is such a beautiful game. Like what we do is so different than what any other sport does. Like the way we have to move is different. The behind the reasons behind our movements are different. And then this, the, the ultimate side of, right. It's a rock getting thrown at a, at a tree branch really. And it's, it's just crazy. man. I love it. Yeah, it's definitely a special game for sure, man. It teaches a lot of, diff- a lot of things even beyond it as well. Yeah. Um, dude, this has been awesome. Oh, this is awesome. So, uh, love talking infield, love talking infield stuff, man. Um, yeah, I, I, I fully agree. I think so many people take it for granted of like just head positioning, like where the glove is, you know, especially like a little lean when you go to the forehand and then the back end is naturally, it already sets up. So where the, I catch the ball in front of me, you know, like, mm-hmm. and so many, so many errors just get caught up behind ball, just get glove, get behind my eyes, getting, even with my body, like it's just simple like that, you know. That's where, like, yes, all those knee work stuff is great because it's naturally teaching that. But like, you should definitely see stuff like, yeah, when you go to your right, it should be easier, you know. And um, but yeah, so many other guys just like that forehand play, and they they think that's easier. And um, oh man, yeah, we'll great. go, we'll go. Honestly, we'll go to our left sometimes and use a backhand technique at short. Well, I was getting ready to ask you that. I was getting ready to ask you, like, so, because I've seen a coach do this. And, and honestly, especially at first base play, he mm-hmm. tried to make every play of his first baseman's a backhand play, like everything. So, because he's, I'm always going to, now, if I'm, if I'm going to second base, that's basically the play that I'm always going to try to make a backhand play. Um, because just naturally being able to, he's like, you pick, like, first basemen's are always in that position, like almost mm-hmm. 90, 85% of the time in this position so like he's like i'm just gonna keep this same pattern and just get them around the ball and let them go to second base from a backhand yeah yeah all all day long all day long our first our right our right-handed first baseman's especially like you are backhanding everything like just just trust it if we're staying with that yeah Um, yeah, so my question there. too, then RJ, because like, like you, you're a camp guy, so I know you work from like eight year olds up to eighteen year olds, yeah. and some of the best kids in the country. Does the foundation though? When does it get to where you want? Would you like to see them only play the backhand? Ooh, I think that's I think that's individualistic, right? Like when can they? I I would say by their high school age, like for a first baseman, like by their high school age. Um, but some kids. So when we work with our first baseman, like, I mean, it is, that is what we just, we train that backhand all, all day long with the, with the flips, right? Like you're trying to help your infielder out, pick the, pick the short hop. He made a play, you made a play, right? 
so that's just kind of how we we just started we let them just work that work that work that and then when they start hitting the fungos right we'll just go all right backhand everything right i don't care where it is just go backhand it and let them feel it just because especially at first like if you can get the backhand and get around like your direction and your movement is to your target so much easier than yeah. if I have to catch and rotate so um yeah i think once they start getting the an idea of how easy how much easier it makes it right and you get you get the the coaches out of there that say oh he's only he's backhanded because he's bailing no like i mean we've seen the thing about it you we've probably both played with a some really good first basemen that never played because coaches thought they were scared of the ball when the reality was they were setting up a better hop like mm-hmm. if we had known if we had known better we would have been able to be like coach he's fine but we didn't know any better. Like there's so much to setting up your hop with your backhand and being able to drop step and push through and allow that to work. Right. Like just because I drop step my, my leg doesn't mean I'm scared. It means I'm allowing, I'm freeing up so much room for my, my glove to work through same at third, right? Like drop step those things all day long. As long as you get back to your throwing pad. Mm-hmm. As long as you can push through it. Yeah. 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 As long as you can get through it. Absolutely. No, I think that she even just shows, um I, I again a uh well i get i think it's a, it's definitely individual you'll know i think you just have a got to have a feel for like if the guy's bailing or not mm-hmm. but a lot of times you know you, those high level infielders are drop stepping a lot more than oh yeah your average ones is oh, yeah. that what you're, you've you're, seen i mean you're yeah. you deal with the top guys in the country yeah you're, you're drop stepping and you're playing it one-handed like everything that wasn't told to us when we were in little league right you're gonna get in front of everything chest up and two hands out in front of you like it's just not the way it works. We're so much more athletic with one hand. Like yeah. we just are. When you put both your hands together, like in, you're in handcuffs. Like you don't want that, right? Let those things play. And if you need to set up a hop by drop drop stepping once or twice, like that's fine. Like I don't want you scared, right? You, you're exactly right, Trey. Like you can tell the difference if someone's scared or someone's setting up hops, right? You can tell. Yeah. And you can usually tell because the chin or the bill or they'll have a point in their head that moves away from the ball, right? Like if that head is moving away from the ball, you have someone that might be a little, have a little bit of a confidence issue, a little bit scared of the ball, but if they're drop stepping and you can see everything staying in line, right? The elbow, the palm, the eyes, everything's in line. They're not scared of the ball. They're just setting up hops. That's easier for them to catch. And that's a, that is a true, true skill right there. So, so let's think of this. So like being the individualized or a great coach that you are, and you've seen it now because you have to, from freshmen to seniors, from, you know, your average kid to your guy might be a prospect. When do you take the handcuffs and say one hand only, you know, uh, we've got to, you know what I mean? Like, so to get to that guy that might drop step and be all one-handed, like, where do you see that progression? We, we go, we go one hand only from like day one with our, with a lot of our training. Um, so we will, obviously we talk the two hand lane, right. But we go, we go one hand fungos all the time, all the time from day, like from second, probably maybe not day one, but like second week of, of us training. Yeah. We're, we're already moving one hand, one hand, one hand. Just cause I think, I mean, I think it's just besides, I mean, our corner guys for sure. Like they're going to probably be, closer to 75, 80% one hand plays on our corners. You get to the middle, right? The number is not quite as drastic, but uh, it's going to be more than 50% of the balls are, are played one hand. Like we just, we just don't put ourselves in a position to go, you know, the traditional right, left field, right, left throw. Like I believe in that. I grew up with that. It's still a foundation of how we get our two hand lane. But if our guy can, can create a better hop by going one hand, like let's roll dude. Like I'm good with that. So, but, and, but, and then just to clarify then, so just clarifying so that most of your balls will not be in your two hand lane, then that you're going to be hitting them baseballs at, because you still want them to two hand lane. You're talking, I'm still going to hit them, hit them all, you know, in the four lane and in the two lane and in mm-hmm. the one lane. Right. Yeah. You're just not, you're just not going to spend a lot of time at the three. No. Well, we only started the three for like, yeah. Usually like infield in, like, so if we're going through like a fungo compression for the day, right. We'll, we'll start infield in infield middle, and then we'll go back. Right. And then we'll work to our double play type angles. So we'll come in and that ball we're hitting right up. 
right? They're getting their hop read. They're, they're getting their, their feel for the game, right? It's a little bit tighter. So you got to be a little bit quicker. And that that's about the only one where we're going right at them. As soon as we move them to our mid range, now we're going to start working them two to three steps left and right. Um, letting them kind of get there. Then when we work back, now we're starting to create as much angle as possible and we're getting them moving. So now we got all our lefts, all of our rights done, and then we'll bring them back in and go into our double play series uh, and have everyone set up at their double play depths. And that is, to be honest, like that's probably where we take most of our fun does is our double plays. Cause um, at your level that had the double plays all automatic. I have to be automatic. The double play has to happen. Like yeah. when we get it, it has to happen. And I like it too because our third third baseman are they come into high school not knowing ever where to stand, right? Yeah. They either want to be way up on the grass or way deep. And then when you start getting them in that middle range, they usually put themselves in like no man's land, right? Where there's there's zero good hops coming off that lip, right? They're just in a bad spot. So we really, we really try to force our third baseman to feel their positioning out. And I think like that double play kind of depth is, is comfortable for a lot of guys. Um, so we do, Ooh, man, if we're doing fungos. We're, we're crushing the double plays. I just, I like it. My middle infielders are just naturally in a little bit tighter. So they're getting a little bit different spins. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, our first basins have to be so active. Like it's just, it's just, um, and it's, it, we got to pride ourselves on making the double play too. Right. Like, yeah, we have don't worry. We have the idea. Hey, make sure we get the first one, right? Get the first one, right? We're not giving up a big inning, but like at practice, we can go, we can see, I'm going to go back to so fast again. Like if we're at practice and we're throwing a, like, say it's a, a five, four, three, we go five and our four is there in a good spot and he bobbles it on his transfer. We're fine with it. Cause he's going fast. Like how fast can we go right now? We'll mm-hmm. have some rounds where, Hey, we have to complete it. But majority of the time like we're gonna let that guy try and transfer as fast as possible um just so he's learning how to get there right like how how quick can we be right and then you know takes us down a whole nother rabbit hole of glove angles and positioning and how to get the ball out of the glove but yeah well i was thinking i was thinking that because i'm not sure how much we, we can keep rolling but uh like it it, it it brought me back to basically what you just said there with the third baseman not playing. And then back to another thing earlier about it when um, we talked about moving the second base behind the bag and the flares and the pool ground balls where, okay, I think of shifting. Okay. So like you being the defensive coordinator, how much is shifting? And I know Chuck, Chuck was big into that this year. I'm not sure if he had, you guys had talked or not, but like, how much of that shifting are you into and are you going to kind of play into your, you know, in your defensive work with those shifts? Yeah. So we, um, well, first, if you are a program who likes to like shift, like over shift, if you will, your infielders better be taking ground balls at those spots. Right. right. The difference right. between like a lot of guys, you know, they'll, they'll pull the second baseman away to deep grass. Like he better be getting reps of, of fielding that ball going dirt grass, or sorry, grass, dirt, grass, right. and that angle of the throw. Like, if you're just yeah. putting him out there and in-game he's supposed to make that throw, like, you're you're asking for an air. Like, you're asking yeah. for it. So train train what you believe, right? Like, we at Orange Lutheran, like, we're going to shift. We're going to shift our pull side middle infielder. We're going to shift him. Uh-huh. And then our other guy, we're going to be rather straight up. Like, that's just the way – that's the way my head coach likes to play. Well, and like you said, though, you're playing a so many West Coast-style offenses that no will put the bunt down there mm-hmm. if he moves off the bag. Right. Yeah. It, it might be different if, you know, we're facing facing a dude we know there's no chance he's bunting, right? Yeah, he no yeah. chance he's bunting. He's a hook. He's trying to launch pull side left field. All right, yeah, we'll go. Um, but – we would do we would do more shortstop shift middle on a pull side lefty than would we shift short, second base over in the middle with a pull side righty if that makes sense. Oh, right, yeah, and we're gonna sure. put ourselves in a position now where you know, if he if that guy wants to lay down the bunt like if there's a big pull side lefty that can can San Diego slap that thing to short hey I'll clap I'll clap my hands you beat us but they're not they're not training that so if he's laying it down it's going to third. Or he's trying to he's trying to hit it out to right, so we'll pull side that more. Um, 
but yeah, it's just, I mean, you got to know, you got to know who you're playing too, right? Like no, 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 the style of the team you're playing and, and when it can work. And yeah. So that'll come up, that'll come up on like your weekly, I want to say like weekly, uh, like scouting report for like the team that you're going to go like, Hey, we're going to kind of shift here. So then you would kind of build that into your daily fungo work. Yeah. Like, so if I know, if I know we have a team that does anything right. Um, we're going to, we're going to add that in a little bit, not to the point where they think where my guys think we are, we're changing anything because of another opponent. Like that's, that's just a mentality thing for us. Uh, we, we do us and they have, and what we do is better than what you do. That's just like the way we want to go about it. But the reality is if we know that a team, you know, they, they're forced, they're four, five, six are all left-handed pull guys. Like, yeah. yeah, we're gonna we're gonna make sure we're ready for four, five, six, and what and how they hit, and, and we do such a good job. Like Coach Lamanda, AJ Lamanda, myself, um, but he, we go out and we we try and get everything we can on you, man. Like we're gonna we're gonna know as much as possible if we can find out what time the coach has coffee in the morning. Like, hey, I'm good knowing that too, man. Like we're gonna know as much as possible. I know, you know, there's guys out there that don't like to really get into the scouting game, but right, hey, we. Need, we need to know what's coming at us, and if we can get a little, if we can get a little edge by doing a little research, we're going to take it. But you're right, like build it into your practice, right? Like if you know you're going to do something, build it in. And conversely, like if you're never going to run the that fifth or sixth, first and third play, like don't don't practice it. Like you're never going to run it. Like you probably are going to throw the ball to second. You're going to have some sort of cut play, and you got a ball that goes to third. Like just be good at a couple of them because that fifth or sixth one that you're going to maybe run one time in five years, like you're wasting too much practice time for that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That back to our purposeful practice too, man. Like, so like, yeah. have you, have you, so like, has that changed for you? So like, when you just said that, like, that's a pretty big statement. And I would love for more people to be thinking about that. It's like, have you spent more time, less time on like the first and thirds, blunt defenses you heard, you said earlier about you spending almost, a lot of time on double plays. Right. So yeah. So how we, has that practice time kind of changed? Yeah. So um first and thirds, bunties, once a week hit them for 10 minutes. Like that honestly, like so we have um we have something that I do call I call PFP progression and it's a way that we can work fungos around the whole infield and it's with pitchers involved. So through that we can basically get all of the bunt plays done without having to run through our bunt D's, right? So, but they're getting all the different angles. And then like our middles, our middles got all their turns coming out of that. And then corner guys have their their responsibilities. So we by doing that and then just touching on on the plays, right? Making sure our patterns are good. And we're like, yeah, dude, like we just don't. Um, mm-hmm. we we think we're, you know, when we introduce them. Right. When we introduce them, we're going to take a little bit more time to make sure we have it right. But yeah. Yeah. Once it comes to like practice, uh, we're going probably Mondays for 10, 15 minutes. If we made a mistake the week before, maybe jump on that. But we don't get, we don't get, I mean, I tell you right now, everybody who's listening to this knows every one of our buddies and first and thirds. Mm. Like, you know, it, it's just a matter of how we're signaling it in. Right. Which that's, that's the secret, but you know what we're going to do. Like it's not, it's, there's a few plays that work. There's a few plays that, that get outs or can stop momentum. And those are what we have, but man, we got three first and third plays. We got three, three different bunties. That's it. That's it, man. Yeah. I'm just going to get really good at those things. Yeah. We're going to be really good at them. Like if you buy a ball, we're going to get an out. Right. And that's all we tell our guys really anyways. Like if they, if they're going to give us the out, take the out and then wherever, whatever happens after that, we'll, we'll make sure we redesign and, and go into for the next pitch, but mm-hmm. they're going to give us an out, get the out. If they're going to run a first and third, like understand the situation. Right. And I think that's, that's probably more if we do our first and thirds, like just understanding where we're at in the game and which runner is the priority. Like and as long as we can signal that part in, cause that's part of our signal, like which who, your signs are communicating to your players, right? Like, so if you put on a bunt play that says throw the runner out or sorry, first and third play that says throw the runner out at second, that's your priority. So get that out. If they end up scoring coach, you made the decision to throw the ball to second. 
right? If you don't want the guy to score, don't throw the ball to second. Yeah. Right. Like, so just as long as your players understand you're communicating, right. Like that you should be able to stop anything you really don't want, you know, barring the air, the bad throw, or, you know, the guy hits a three run bomb on it. (laughs) (laughs) For sure. Oh man, dude, this is awesome. This is awesome. I know. uh, It's uh. I mean, honestly, just put out, is there anything else that you want to just kind of get into that we haven't talked about, you know, something that you just think is just, uh, no, man, I think, I think it's just, you know, through, through the whole COVID and now coming out of COVID man, like, and the ability to, I hope, I hope we all took time to get better through this. Right. Like, Obviously, it's been tough on a lot of people, but like within our game, the the amount of sharing that was done, the amount of resources and people who were open to explaining the game and talking the game and bettering the game, man. Like I hope I hope we all just got better from it, and I hope hope we all realize that while you know, let's be competitive this year because that's what we are by nature. Um, these kids have had it really tough, man, and you know. It, it might not, it might be the year where wins and losses really aren't the most important thing. It's just about getting these kids back, back on the field and back in their normal routine of things and, and, you know, making sure that their well-being is okay, because I could, I know how hard this has been on adults. I can only imagine being a very emotional teenager during, during what they've had to go through, losing school, losing sports, no access to friends, like, and it was a little bit different here in California than other places too, right? We got, we got shut down a little bit more than other places, but just make sure you're loving up on those kids, man. Loving up on those kids. Cause they're, they're giving us the opportunity to do what we do and just make sure that they're good. That's, that's, that's really where I'm at, brother. Coach RJ Farrell coming in hot, just uh, delivering some great information, great content, and just, you know, really finishing it up there with, Reminding us that our kids are human. Our kids have gone through a tough time. Our kids allow us the opportunity to coach, to do the things that we love to do, and we can't do them without them. And so it really just shows to his servant mind and how much of a great person that he really is. And just, can't, again, can't, can't thank Coach, Coach Farrell enough. Um, if uh, you haven't... You're not already following him and following the great things that he does. You can see him on Twitter at Coach Farrell017. Check out Coastal Empire Baseball. If you can go to a camp, I would highly recommend it to get around guys like him. He mentioned Brian Madsen, the other founder, and uh, just incredible, incredible guys that. Um, if you have an opportunity to get around them and experience that with Coastal Empire, I would highly recommend it. Or it's going to take us uh, some logistical things to get them out here on the East Coast because uh, they're definitely West Coast guys. But um, if we can make it happen, um, we're going to make it happen. So to get Coastal Empire over here is on the East Coast. So, but um, just loving some, loving the details, loving the way that. Uh, RJ talks about his combination drills, combination drills, making, getting creative within his team setting, understanding there is a difference between the team setting and the camp setting and knowing how to differentiate those and then knowing, okay, I need to put this kid in a camp style when he might be struggling a certain lane, might be struggling a certain ball, might be struggling a certain pattern to do that. Um, so keep those things in mind as we're training guys, as we're saying, okay, in this team setting, like he's struggling at this, so we need to pull him for, I know Coach Sires talked about Salisbury, like for a BP side work. Um, and that's kind of what RJ talked about, like pull him for some side work uh, or that early work to then go over those movements and things like that, um, those patterns that he needs. But um, be purposeful with the type of information that you are charting. And that you are doing in practice to make sure that it oh it is transferring in the game. I think two pretty you can hear two principles 
uh, throughout that conversation. He comes out as one individualizing, making sure that he's doing what's best. You know, it depends. That, that comes up with a lot of great coaches. It depends because of the person. And you heard that with Coach Farrell. <clears throat> Excuse me. Another thing is how he talked about, um, besides the individualization, was um, so beyond the individualization and making guys uh, was his creativity, you know, and being able to do what he could for in the time frame and the time constraints that he has because. You know, he is an assistant coach, and so this head coach will give him a certain amount of time, and he needs to maximize that time. And I think almost, and even in the, if you're a head coach, you have to do the same thing, especially in high school. Be creative with what you have. And just like in any coach, you can be a youth coach, and you say, oh, oh I got this open space here. I don't, might not have a field. I got an open space for 45 minutes. What am I going to do? Let's be creative. He already has things set up in place where he, then he can just go right to it. Um, so you definitely hear some preparation in there, being creative, individualizing, and being purposeful with his instruction. So a lot of great, really fundamental, great principles from Coach Farrell, showing why he's one of the top assistant coaches in the country, let alone just a coach, top coach in the country. Um, but Orange Lutheran is definitely for surely lucky to have a guy at his caliber, um, you know, with Team USA, but at his caliber of knowledge, of passion, and just an incredible person as well and part of their program. So that's why they run such a top-notch program at Orange Lutheran. So, again, follow him at Coach Farrell017. Uh, and, again, cannot press Coastal Empire Baseball enough. You got a chance to get them, get to a camp, see Coach RJ, see Coach BMAD, and uh, you'll, you won't regret it. So, can't wait uh, for the next conversation to have with those guys. And, uh, Again, if you have any questions for me, any feedback for me, you can find me um, on Twitter, Coach3Cobb. You can find us at our podcast, Twitter, at BMBB, Better Men, Better Baseball Players Podcast. It's at BMBB Podcast. Find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and let us know how we're doing, see how we can get better. So here we are, moving into year two. Moving into year two. So year one is finished, and now hopefully year two will be better. And we appreciate all the feedback, appreciate all the support. And until next week, keep getting better.